Mike Tomlin is not saying, you know, oh man, you know, the fans shouldn't be doing that. We're we're all working hard, and Matt Canada's my guy. It was that was hardly right, what he said. Right. So I think that was telling. It was definitely not an endorsement of Matt Canada. It was, I mean, it, he could have very easily, in in just a couple of his his, you know, couple of sentences in his typical manner, put, you know, put that to sleep and said, you know, we're we're sticking with our plan and, and we, you know, we understand. But he didn't do that. You know, he, he wants, I, I'm, I'm not saying he was trying to sort of rile up the fan base with that, but he did. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, along with my friend, Kurt Popejoy. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Steelers Wire podcast. We're brought to you by the USA Today Network, available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe and join us all season long if you like what you hear. Hey there, Kurt. How the hell are you this week? I'm doing all right. Better than I was last week when we got together. So yeah, a little, little bit better this week. hundred percent, hundred percent. The Steelers yeah. avoided no two hole. Uh, yes. That would have been, that would have been rough, right? They beat the, they beat the Browns. They pulled it out. The mm-hmm. W over Cleveland Kurtz, the good news, the uh, 12 points, the offense contributed. And I was just talking to you and you don't even give them credit for that. You're not giving them credit for the two long field goals. You're just giving them no. six, credit for six, right? So yeah. that's not so Offen- great. Yeah. Offense got six. That's all they get. Chris Boswell gets gets two extra point, you know, gets those two long field goals and he, uh, and the two extra points on the defensive touchdown. So technically he outscored the offense. So, yeah. So if not, if not for that devastating injury to Nick Chubb, which we might get into a little bit more here. And then, you know, a pair of touchdowns by the defense, which was brilliant in the game. They made Deshaun Watson look like he should just probably hang it up. Deshaun Watson did not look good out there. Um, One touchdown in the first quarter, one in the fourth from the defense. Kurt is pretty sweet, um, but this could be a different conversation without the play, without those two exactly. touchdowns. Obviously, exactly, especially that second one because the first one happens and you see a play like that and you think this is it, this is their day. You know they're going to take this momentum and the offense is going to you know because even like on Ben Roethlisberger on his podcast this week said there's nothing a quarterback likes better than to watch his defense go out and get a touchdown early. You know, it, he said it just it just pumps you up and it helps you relax a little. Offense didn't do anything with it. You know, they didn't they didn't do a thing with it. So that one kind of came and went. But that last one, you know, when Highsmith got that strip sack and, and Watt just kind of picked it up and walked into the end zone while all the Browns players are just kind of standing there staring at the ball, wondering, you know, what I, I'm not sure why they all just kind of froze, but I'm glad Watt didn't. Um, but yeah, you, you, you don't want to see a game, you know, come down to a play like that, uh, for two weeks in a row. Now the offense has done nothing. And it just so happened that this week, the defense and special teams, you know, picked them up first week. They didn't have that. And so, uh, any, anybody that play, watch football for any amount of time knows this isn't a sustainable strategy for an NFL team to, to hope that your defense can, can outscore the opponent every week. That just, that just doesn't work. So. I'm glad they won, but it's a little bit tainted in the fact that I don't think the problems from week one, there was any no correction on offense made. If anything, the offense might have looked a little worse. I mean, they didn't call they didn't run a single play inside the Browns 30 yard line last week. That's a stat. You know, I mean, that's that's a crazy, crazy bad stat. They had negative seven yards in the fourth quarter, you know, and won and won the game. I mean, that, that's just unheard of. You know, that just isn't. But like you said, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little more about Nick Chubb's injury. 
I don't think we're having this conversation if Chubb doesn't hurt his knee because he was just kind of having his way with the Steelers defense. I mean, he's I, I tweeted about it. He's the toughest man in football to tackle. And that's all respect to Derrick Henry and guys like that. There's nobody harder to tackle than Nick Chubb. And I think he was just going to wear him down all night long if, if 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 that injury doesn't happen. And I hate that for him. You know, same knee as in college. Um, you know, that's just terrible. It's just terrible. But I do think that if not for that injury, I, I don't see any way that the Steelers get that win on Monday night. Yeah, I, I, I kind of I tend to agree. I think that was a big one. And you're right that the big oh. uh, the big touchdown to Pickens uh, definitely saved the offense because they were having a hard time moving to football otherwise. Right. Uh, the uh, the Steelers, the, the, the crowd's reaction to Chubb and his injury, you know, just speaking of that, maybe I'll just yeah. move to that that topic right now because it's it's mm-hmm. a big one across the league right now. Uh, it just shows how well-respected Chubb is around the league, how much people enjoy watching him play football. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people out there hate the Cleveland Browns for a lot of reasons. Uh, Deshaun Watson sure. may be one of them. You know, I'm sure he doesn't have a lot of fans out there, casual no. fans. Uh, you know, the Browns are just one of those those teams. It's hard to like them. Uh, but I, I always liked watching Nick Chubb play. Um, yeah. You know, if the Browns are on, I like watching him play football. And uh, the reaction of the Steelers fans, Kurt, the, the collective yeah. gasp, how quiet they were, them chanting his name, them clapping and, and cheering for him awesome. for a for a team they freaking hate and loathe, yeah. like the Cleveland Browns. And yeah. that was a cool moment. Uh, as devastating as that was uh, for Chubb, uh, that was a cool moment by the Pittsburgh fans. It, it was. And, you know, it really it sort of it, it, it kind of got lost in the fact that there was such a social media reaction to the injury as if Minka Fitzpatrick did that with any intent. Right. You know, it was kind of, kind of two ends of the, of the same, you know, two sides of the same coin. You had the, the fan base, you know, that, that audible gasp coming from all the fans and then the chanting his name when he's leaving and, you know, all the comments on social media about him. And then Brown's fans immediately turn it to, well, Fitzpatrick's a dirty player. He should have been ejected. He did that on purpose. And, and my only comment to that was, where else do you tackle Nick Chubb but low? You know, I mean, it's not a it's not a case where where he did that with any intention of injuring him. There just isn't anywhere else you can hit him if you hope to take him down. Um, you go, like I think I wrote, you go for center mass on him and he's just going to run over you. And so I, I hate that it happened. I hate that it happened for Fitzpatrick. Then he gets himself injured later in the game and has to go to the hospital. And, you know, Browns fans were just cheering for that on social media. They were like, karma, good for you, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, why does it have to turn into that? You know, why, why does it have to go to go to that level at, at any point? But, yeah, you hate to see it. I, I don't like to ever see players get hurt. I think the only player I, I ever saw get injured in a game that I, I didn't like, oh, man, I hate that that happened, was probably Vontez Perfect when – he was just knocking Steelers out yeah, of the game. That's a good. That's a good one. Yeah, comes back on him. He's really the only guy that I'm like, eh, well, he probably had that coming. But other than that, I've never, never had that reaction to a player. So, so is that just the Minka Fitzpatrick stuff on social and stuff from Browns fans? Kurt, is that just them reacting and being pissed in the moment that their star sure. player is out, or is it you don't you don't think Fitzpatrick has any history of this, right? No, none that I none that I know of. I mean, he's he's a physical guy, but I mean, he's he's just a great football player. I mean, he's, he's fearless. You know, I mean, there's a lot of guys when, when Nick Chubb's coming at you that make business decisions and choose not to go, go all in on him. But Fitzpatrick did, he had to stop, you know, he knew he was going to walk into the end zone if he didn't make try to make a play on him. And so, 
I don't think there was anything, anything there dirty or, you know, intentional by any means. I don't think that, you know, I was, I got into it with a couple of Browns fans. I mean, not really. I just kind of go them into, into getting, getting upset, but you know, I don't know that his hit was any more intentional than either of the two face masks that Deshaun Watson got called for. You know, Those twice were in the game, weird he plays, just had huh? a handful of face mask and got flagged for it. I don't think either of them were intentional. The one play for sure, it looked like he just had his fingers hooked in there. He's lucky he probably didn't break his fingers. Um, but they got flagged for him, and you know, and that's good enough. Um, but I don't, I don't think either of those there was any intention to harm anybody in in any of those plays. The referees chose not to throw a flag. I'm not sure that there's a rule that would have covered throwing the flag in that situation. And so we just move on. I mean, you know, Browns fans, you know, Deshaun Watson didn't even get fined for pushing a referee, you know, so he kind of caught a break there too. He could have been suspended. He could have been kicked out of the game. Honestly, I'm kind of glad they didn't kick him out of the game because he was, he was doing a lot for the Steelers down the stretch. I, I had no problem leaving Watson on the field. So <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Watson was <laughs> those 15 yard penalties were helping the Steelers. Oh I'll tell you gosh. what, that was definitely stunting those drives by the Browns. They were moving the ball a little bit. Yeah, that was a bad, that was not a good look for Deshaun Watson. That was a weird game by him. He didn't look good. He didn't look good at all. No. I, don't, I think he, he's not the same player. He wasn't with the Texans, but I'm no. sure Kurt, to your point, nobody feels worse about Nick Chubb's injury than Minka Fitzpatrick. I'm oh sure. God. I mean, it's just football, man. It's he wasn't yeah. trying to do that to him. Come on. The Steelers fans chanting for Chubb and their reaction was was a classy. It wasn't the only storyline with Steelers fans chanting at the game though that uh, that no. came out of this one. Uh, the Fire Canada chants were hard to miss. Mm-hmm. I know Mike Tomlin didn't miss them because he was asked about this on Tuesday, Kurt. Right, and he did not. Uh, he didn't hold back. He he definitely talked about it, and he wasn't afraid yeah. to. He wasn't like brushing this under the rug. Some of the just here's a piece of what he said. Quote: I appreciate their passion. I share their passion. We all do. And this was you know, a comment directly about the, the fire Canada chance. He said, quote, we love our fans. They inspire us. They challenge us. It's an awesome relationship. We don't run from challenges. We run to challenges. This is the sport entertainment business. It's our job to win and thus entertain them. And so we don't begrudge them for that. I, I thought that was a telling point right there, Kurt. Um, he also said, we want them to be fat and sassy and spoiled and it's our job. Yeah. So, uh, Mike Tomlin is not saying, you know, oh man, you know, the fans shouldn't be doing that. We're we're all working hard, and Matt Canada is my guy. It was that was hardly right, what he said. Right. So I think that was telling. It was definitely not an endorsement of Matt Canada. It was, I mean, it, he could have very easily, in in just a couple of his his, you know, couple of sentences in his typical manner, put you know, put that to sleep and said, you know, we're we're sticking with our plan and, and we you know we understand, but he didn't do that. You know, he, he wants, I, I'm, I'm not saying he was trying to sort of rile up the fan base with that, but he did. I mean, the comments and the messages and things I've gotten since that quote, I mean, people are like, you know, they're on board with this, with this idea that maybe one more week of this and Tomlin's going to take action or, you know, maybe, maybe he understands that fans, you know, and I, I've always said Steelers fans have have very high expectations based on history um but recently they just can't you know the team really hasn't lived up to that and so i think you've seen the fan base over the last decade or so sort of temper their expectations and 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 i get that you know finishing 500 or better 
you know, I've written about this many times. Is, is this is this okay with fan, the fans? It's just finishing 500 or better okay. And I think for a lot of the fans, it is, you know, always competitive, always on the cusp of the playoffs. But I think that what the, the product that the Steelers are producing now <clears throat> goes well below that. Like they have, the bar is very low at this point. And I think that Tomlin recognizes that at some point he just can't keep going up to the, to the podium and saying, you know, we got to get back to the lab and we do not seek comfort and all his, all his Tomlinisms, <laughs> yeah. you know, that are basically him saying, Hey, we're going to try to do better next week, which is, is basically all he ever says. I mean, you can, he can talk for 10 minutes and basically all he's saying is, is Hey, we're going to try to do better next week. It's, it's the same thing in all his, all his Tomlinisms. He didn't give us that this time. He was more of, I get it. We're not doing good enough. And, and I, I hope this means maybe Sunday night we see some new faces on the field. I certainly hope we see a change in, in play calling philosophy. I mean, guys who do these advanced stats and things like that are just posting these crazy numbers about play calling and, and, and you know, things that, that even, even me as I watch the game closely don't always recognize how often they're running on second and eight and you know, the types of runs they're doing and things like that. And you start to see those trends from these people who, who, who dig into this and you're like, wow, there really is a problem here. You know, I think, I think after the first week game, Dan Orlovsky said that Matt Canada called the same pass play eight times in the game. That's wow. probably not something a fan watching on television would even recognize. But for somebody who played in the NFL and has access to all 22, it probably wasn't hard for him to go back through that game and go, yeah, exact same pass play eight times in a row. You can't expect, you know, eight times in the same game. You can't expect that to win, to win like that. There's just no way. Um, Ryan Motes, or I'm I'm sorry, Arthur Motes, who played, you know, linebacker for the Steelers, does his podcast. And he had Terrence Garvin on there, another linebacker. He's played for the Steelers. And they both said that, that Matt Canada has the roles of the running backs completely backwards. And they don't understand why. Well, you've been that saying the, this for a while. Yeah, I, I said, get me on your show, Arthur. I've been saying it, man. But they both talked about it this week that that they do not understand how Mike Tomlin hasn't recognized and gone to Matt Cannon and said, you are you are using your two running backs in the wrong ways. You'll stretch plays to Najee Harris and a gap plays to Jalen Warren is exactly what we don't want to do. And I would hope eventually enough people are going to be shouting loud enough beyond the fans. I mean, I, I talked today, you know, Colin, Colin Cowherd, he's always been kind of tough on the Steelers. And he said, you know, the Steelers are a, are a dumpster fire. And if you look over, there's Matt Canada with the gasoline, in the match, you know, I mean, this is well beyond just fans who are frustrated. I mean, a lot of people, former players are recognizing this. Stefan to is going on to Twitter and laughing at, at Twitter posts about the futility of the Steelers offense. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that recognize there's problems here. And and I, I said, I think the only person who doesn't see Matt Canada as a problem might be Mike Tomlin right now. Yep, I, I would agree with that. But I think it's also clear that he heard the chants in the stadium, Kurt, yeah. right? Those those yeah. fans are chanting fire Canada. Mike Tomlin heard them. So we'll have to see what what happens. And this let me ask you, like, just a pointed question about Kenny Pickett. We, we you know, I, I know you were you were hard on Kenny Pickett a little bit last mm-hmm. week. You gave some honest commentary on him. Obviously, he did not take a step forward in this game. Um, no. It was more of the same. Tomlin had yeah. admitted such in, in his presser on Tuesday. 
How much of that is tied to Matt Canada? You know, do you, is that a thing? Like his development, not looking like it's on track, at least from what we saw in the preseason and all that optimism, how much is that, how much of that is tied to the offensive coordinator? I think more this week than last week, for sure. I felt like in the first game, Kenny Pickett made some bad throws. I think this last week, there were some bad play calls. That designed run for him at down near, you know, I mean, there were just some strange plays. Yep. And and I know I know Pickett made a couple of bad throws. The throw to George Pickett, he made a couple of really good throws to George Pickens. He made a couple of really nice throws to Jalen Warren, made one to Calvin Austin. I, I think I think at this point, we're kind of seeing it go from, okay, can you look a little better this week? But the offense, the, the the offense as a whole, I mean, we we can sit here and talk about Kenny Pickett. We can talk about Matt Canna. The offensive line still isn't good. You know, they paid they paid Isaac Sumalo to come in and solidify the interior offensive line. Probably been the worst interior offensive lineman on the team through two games. Um, you know, somewhere Kevin Dotson's going. I could have done that. You know, I I could do what he's doing yep. for half the money. Um, Chuk's a core four. I'm not sure he was ready to come back. He had some a couple of pretty nasty penalties coming off that concussion. Did they rush him back onto the field? I don't know, but he didn't look very good. Um, Dan Moore might have had the best game of any offensive lineman on the team dealing with Miles Garrett, you know, and and but none of them, none of them are are doing their part in run in run blocking. And that's at this point in the season, you know, you've, you've kind of, you've kind of invested in that group and you kind of have to roll with that group. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've always talked about distribution of labor. I always feel like Mike Tomlin has a lot, his hands in a lot of pieces on the team. He said as much like in the secondary and with the quarterbacks and different things. I don't know how much involvement he has in the offensive line as far as day-to-day and, and scheming and things like that. Um, but but clearly this group is is still not come together. And I think that Matt Canada, Kenny Pickett, all those things need to be better. But if your offensive line can't block, I'm not sure there is an offensive coordinator that can fix that. You know, that can that can scheme around an offensive line that can't protect. I think, I think Kenny Pickett got hit nine times last week i mean I, i'm not sure that way too high any offensive system is gonna is gonna is gonna you know mask the fact that you let your quarterback get hit nine times and and a couple of those were on picket no doubt he 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 you know held the ball too long and took some hits but you know at this point if i'm mike tomlin i don't know which way to turn when it comes to going to positional meetings as to who i need to go you know tear a new one for why things aren't working the way they should be yeah, it's that's interesting commentary. I mean, if you're scheming to protect your offensive line, that personnel, it's going to be hard for you to be a competent offense if you're just worried about yeah. protecting Pickett yeah. from his own offensive line. Uh, there's other teams around the league doing the same thing. I think the Patriots mm-hmm. and Mac Jones Absolutely. is a good example. But uh, yeah, it's the same deal for Kenny Pickett. Is it Broderick Jones time? Could he come in and help Kurt? I'd, I'd like to see him play some right. I, I, I would like to have seen him play last week. I kind of wish... After Akorafor got those two quick penalties, um, maybe they would have brought him in, you know, and and stuck him in there to see what happens. He, he's clearly a, a a very good run blocker. I mean, that was Jones' trademark coming in. I mean, him and Darnell Washington basically paved the way for that Georgia rushing attack. And so, you know, going back to Arthur Motes and Terrence Garvin, they're like, 
we don't know why they aren't running 12 personnel 65% of the time. I think that was the number or something like that. Why, why isn't Firemuth and Washington out there all the time? You know, that you can run out of it. You can throw out of it. You don't have three good receivers right now anyway. So why are you trying to trot four wide out when you really only have Deontay or I mean, George Pickens and Allen Robinson. So why are you bringing, you know, two more receivers out there who aren't really a threat to do anything, you know, at the expense of the run game. And, and, you know, it's just, it seems so simple, but I know it's more complicated than that, but sometimes maybe it is just that simple, you know, put your best 12 guys, you know, or put your best 11 men on the field and just see what happens. All right. Interesting stuff is always right there from Kurt Popejoy. And I'm interested to see what Kurt has to say about Steelers Raiders in Las Vegas. Kurt, are you a big Las Vegas guy? Or why aren't you out there right now? That's a, that's a perfect yeah. one to go cover live. I'll tell you what, I've, I've never been to Las Vegas, oh. but I've heard it's, I've heard it's the place to be, but I've, I live a pretty sheltered life here in Kansas. So yeah. I never, never made my way to, to Las Vegas. So. It's my happy place. And that's a, that's a pretty good football stadium out there. It's pretty cool. Fans oh, should definitely amazing. go see it. It's not a, it's not a cliche for a fan to go out there to the game in Vegas. So hopefully Steelers fans are taking advantage. I'm sure they will. It might sound like a home game at times out there in Vegas, but uh, the Steelers are underdogs. We'll tell you how much and make some predictions and talk about that game here coming up next. But first, some fantasy advice in week three from the huddle.com. Corey Benini of huddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number three. Quarterback Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh Steelers at Las Vegas Raiders. This one is somewhat of a shaky recommendation, and Pickett's ceiling maybe isn't as high as some would like, but he has a little bit sturdier of a floor this week than usual. Las Vegas has given up 225 yards and two and a half passing touchdowns per game, and there's a clear need for the Steelers to open up this aerial attack. Even though Pickett will be without Deontay Johnson once again, he still has a dangerous weapon in George Pickens, two capable pass-catching running backs, and a quality tight end to rely on. Be pleased with something in the neighborhood of 250 yards and a pair of scores. Scores, but he's probably best utilized in daily fantasy sports. Running back Javante Williams, Denver Broncos at Miami Dolphins. Somewhat surprisingly, Williams has dominated this backfield's carry count 25-9 over Samaj P. Ryan in the early going. The two have produced nearly identical fantasy results, however, and suffice it to say, the returns haven't been great. That should turn the corner this week against a Miami Dolphins defense that has given up running back touchdowns at the fourth highest rate, and only two teams have yielded more running back yards on the ground. This matchup is much easier to exploit rushing-wise, and we like Williams for a season-high performance as a fringe running back two or a strong flex. Wide receiver Kadarius Toney, Kansas City Chiefs versus Chicago Bears. No KC receiver has drawn more targets in each of the first two games than Tony, and he shook off the rust that led to his Week 1 disaster with a 100% catch rate on his five looks in Week 2. He's always a home run threat, and the former New York Giant offers potential for rushing points as a bonus. Chicago has given up wide receiver touchdowns at the fourth highest rate thus far in 2023, and Tony's an interesting gamble out of the flex position. Tight end Cade Otten, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus Philadelphia Eagles. Eight touchdownless catches for 60 yards through two weeks doesn't really move the needle in fantasy, but Otten warrants a lineup spot due to this brilliant matchup for those of us who stream the tight end position. The Eagles have permitted the most PPR points, non-PPR points, and receptions to the position through two games. This is the number two matchup for yardage, and only a pair of defenses have surrendered touchdown scores at a higher rate. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back. Uh, Kurt, the Steelers are two and a half point dogs um, in this game in Vegas, which kind of surprised me a little bit. This one feels, from everything I could see out there, like a coin flip, like money's going equally on each side. I thought this one would be closer to a pick 'em, 
But the Steelers are actually uh, getting two and a half points going to Vegas from a betting standpoint. I think that's interesting. What's kind of your opening thought on this matchup? I, I, I think so. I, I'll tell you what. If what we saw last week is the defense coming together, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like and obviously they're not going to get two defensive touchdowns every week. But that defense is to a point now where if you're going to throw the football, you're going to do it under duress. Um, Alex Highsmith and, and TJ Watt are just, I mean, Alex Highsmith got defensive player of the week and they probably could have given it to TJ Watt just as easily. And so I, I like it. I like them to keep it close. I'd, I'd be happy to take, take two and a half points, especially, I think there's some, some injuries with the Raiders or minus got some wide receivers dinged up. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't, didn't look very good. I mean, obviously he's playing against a good defense last week too, but he looked a little rattled. And so I don't, I don't think the sledding's going to get any easier for him this week. So yeah, I, I like the line. I, I would definitely um, be pretty happy with Pittsburgh and two and a half points right now. Um, injuries, you know, are always a thing games, not till Sunday night. So everybody's going to hold off as long as they can to announce who's playing and who isn't. But as things stand right now, yeah, I, I've got no problem with that line for Pittsburgh and taking those points. Yeah, I'm with you. I think because the game feels like such a pick em kind of coin flippish kind of game. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Pittsburgh's on the mm-hmm. road here, but I like I like those two and a half points. I think if I was actually betting this with my own money, Kurt, I might feel more comfortable picking the under. So I, I'm seeing that yeah. at 43 or 43 and a half. I'm actually, I think that's where I would go if I was betting it. I mean, we've talked about Kenny Pickett in the offense. It's not a well-oiled machine right now. I mean, Steelers offense and and their defense is tied at two for the amount of touchdowns scored this season. Hopefully the offense could take the lead, Kurt. Mm. (laughs) That would be nice. That that would be nice. You saw last week the Bills kind of picked the the Raiders apart with the quick passing game, but I think the Steelers' best receiver at creating separation and operating in those short spaces is Deontay Johnson. He's on the IR. So that hurts a little bit. I think the running backs on both sides, Najee Harris and Josh Jacobs, you were just talking about it in the last segment, both bigger name guys, but I mean, Jacobs was the rushing champ last year, right? But both have gotten off to slow starts. I mean, I liked what I saw from Jalen Warren last last week. I think you guys agree on Steelers wire. He gave the Steelers a little more juice. Jacobs mm-hmm. was held a negative yardage on the ground against the Bills. Nine oh carries, like God. negative yards. It was crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, that that doesn't make any. I mean, nothing makes sense. No, well, these these poor running backs. You know, they're just. I don't know what the. Yeah, of course, his off season was kind of kind of stressful too. Yeah, the holdout. So yeah, just take a little longer to to get back on track. But yeah, I I I think that uh, you know, it, it's kind of crazy when you think about you know being on the road and normally you think, oh man, being on playing on the road's tough. Well. You know, the Steelers defense shouldn't have any communication issues because it's going to be nice and quiet when they're on the field. So, you know, they, they we didn't hear much about that last week. You know, crowd noise wasn't as big a problem for the defense to to communicate with one another. Um, they should have free reign, you know, in a quiet stadium to be able to to be able to confuse Jimmy G and 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 make some plays. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, if I'm a, if I'm a betting man, I think T.J. Watt and company are going to harass Jimmy G. <laughs> I Ooh. think I think that's coming. Uh, yeah, so I think a lot of factors are pushing me towards the under. I think the Steelers, Kurt, they just win a kind of an ugly lower scoring game and they come out on top. So I do like Pittsburgh in this one. Um, we've talked a little bit about Highsmith. He was just awesome. Is this the best you've you've seen him look? I mean, he he looks awesome out there. Yeah, I mean, he had a couple of really good games last year before T.J. Watt got hurt. Um, you know, he didn't play nearly as well. You know, I think 
having his kind of career year last year, I think a lot of people looked at that as, man, he really took advantage of Watt's injury. Yeah, he he plays best when Watt's on the field. Um, he did last year, and he had a couple of ga- big games, but he just he looks so much faster off the ball. Um, he's got honestly probably has more pass rush moves than TJ Watt does. Um, that spin move, you know, is something that not a lot of pass rushers try, and he has really good success with it. I, I you know, he's a he got paid, and he's he's playing like a guy who's who's wanting to earn that money. So I. Uh, I've always been a fan, but if he can take his game, you know, continue what he's doing through two games, I'll tell you what, you know, even JJ Watts said it, they're the, they're the best duo in the league. And I don't, I don't see anybody pushing him for that at this point. So they, they need to just, you know, no Cam Hayward. We don't know about Mika Fitzpatrick's health this week. They need to just, just focus on them and make them the center of the defense and let everybody else scheme around what they do and let those guys just just chase people down yeah and, and that should be a, a winning formula i, I like yeah. that formula for the steelers a lot um on the other side does you know i think one thing going in the steelers favor here is chandler jones we talked about josh jacobs holding out chandler jones i believe is still holding out kurt mm-hmm. um so he's not gonna be on the field but they do have a good pass rush max crosby is awesome I, he's another player i really like to watch play yeah um he's really good you know does anything on that that Raiders defense, that defensive front, does that worry you at all in this matchup? I mean, I think physicality is always an issue. I think I think if they I think that Pittsburgh's offensive line has shown through two games that if you come out and punch them in the mouth, um, they kind of cave a little bit. And I'm sure that that's what the coaches in Las Vegas are looking at and go, look, guys, we got some big bodies up front. We need to just go up there and and hit them early because I think everybody has looked at the formula and goes, if we can get Pittsburgh in second long and force Kenny Pickett to throw the ball, we don't know. We just don't know what we're going to get from him at that point. You know, is it second and eight? Are they going to run a jet sweep? Or are they going to, you know, take a shot downfield? Are they going to throw a, you know, a two yard out or whatever? You know, you just don't know what Matt Canada is going to do. And so I think that for the Raiders, they got some big boys up front. And I think they're going to try to put, Pittsburgh in a position where they have to make decisions in long yardage and, and force Matt Canada to coach it, coach it up a little bit. And if I'm the Raiders coaches, I'm betting on the fact that they can, I can out coach him, you know, and that's, and, and it's scary to think that that's, you know, kind of how you look at things, but we <laughs> all over the league, we got coordinators that you watch them play and go, they're the weak link and other teams attack their shortcomings. And I think that that's probably what the, what the Raiders are going to try to do. Going to be a fascinating matchup. Steelers have a chance to get yeah. to two and one. They haven't played their best football yet, Kurt, but a chance yeah, to get back uh, on close. top. And just a quick note, you know, I'm a Patriots fan. I went to Vegas last year, Kurt, for the Patriots uh, Raiders game. And I just will say, you know, don't let anybody give you crap for being a cliche going out to Vegas <laughs> for the game. It was awesome. The stadium's cool. There was a concert at halftime. Uh, oh, the stadium's really fun. It's like bright, it's brand new. It's, it looks cool on the outside. There's a lot of stuff to do pregame around the, uh, around the stadium. There's some tailgates you can go to. That's free. The beer's not free, but you can go. And if, if you want, <laughs> you can, you can eat. There's some food trucks and some beers and TVs. If you want to catch some games before or after. So uh, I think it's a, it's a great time. Uh, the only thing is after the game, Kurt, there's only one way to get out of the stadium and it's by foot and you walk and there's a road closed and they just funnel everyone to the strip. And it's just oh God. a brutal walk. If you lose, if you're there as a Steelers fan and you lose this Ooh. game, get ready to hear the freaking 
Raiders. That, that stupid chant. A, oh god. Uh, oh, that thing was that in my because the they because they won. And I don't know if you remember. There was the game where Jacoby Myers threw the ball laterally and just threw it to Chandler oh, Jones. Right. You remember that right, game last right. year? <laughs> yes. Oh god. The, yeah. So walk that walk out with the Raiders fans was brutal. But other than that, it was it was brilliant. It was it was a great time. Um. So I hope <laughs> anyone going to the game has a blast. Uh. What's what's your folks be looking on, um, looking for on Steelers wire until kickoff, Kurt? Well, I think this week we gotta gotta keep a close eye on who's playing and who's not. You know, we got players in the concussion protocol. We got players hurt. I think we need to watch. And you know, already this week, they already today, a lot of roster moves. They they promoted guys from the practice squad. They're signing guys to the practice squad. Um, you know, we're going to keep we're going to keep up on all that speculate on on roster changes, starting lineup changes, um, you know, keep a close ear out to what players are saying after practice. You know, the the local media there in Pittsburgh does a really good job kind of digging a little bit on those guys when it comes to um, guys who are kind of on the bubble to start. You know, did you get some starter reps today? You know, they, they don't they don't hesitate to ask those questions and we'll we'll make sure everybody knows exactly, you know, if, if the. If Pittsburgh's eyeing any any changes in the starting lineup, we're going to make sure everybody knows. All right, there it is. Steelers Wire's got you covered up until kickoff. Uh, for Kurt Popejoy, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks, as always, for joining us on the pod. We appreciate you. Subscribe and tell a friend if you could. We will be catching you next week after Steelers Raiders. Looking forward to it. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.